Turn with me, if you will, to the text for today, Luke 3, 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Atureia and Traconius and Lasinius ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John son of Zechariah in the wilderness He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. Morning, it's the second Sunday of Advent, and we have beautifully lit the peace candle along with the hope candle from last week. Uh, And we can reflect on peace, and we hear that beautiful, peaceful Song in the bleak midwinter, uh, beautifully rendered by the choir. And yet, when we read the text, we hear about John the Baptist, who's anything but peaceful. Uh, he's crying in the wilderness, yelling at everybody, yelling at everybody, repent and be baptized. The kingdom of God is near. Make straight the path. And then uh, he yells at the religious authorities, You brood of vipers! And uh, he asks, you know, and they say, well, what should we do? Oh, give away your cloak. And, and you think just because your birthright, uh, that you're, you're born into a great family, that your birthright is to go to heaven? No, God's here to judge you. So he's, he's, he's like those guys you see on the street corner yelling at you about repenting and the end is near and all of that. And then he starts picking on Herod and Herod's family situation. And ultimately that gets him thrown in jail and his head gets cut off. It's gruesome. It's anything but peaceful. Uh, John the Baptist is anything but peaceful. He's stirring it up. He's making all kinds of hay. He's causing all kinds of trouble and bringing all kinds of negative attention on the people of God. Uh, the odd thing about it, so, so John is doing anything but uh, keeping the peace. He's trying to stir things up and disturb uh, everything that's going on. What, there's an irony here in all of this hubbub with John the Baptist in that uh, in actuality in Rome, as far as Rome was concerned, it was a time of peace. They were in the midst of what has been known historically as the Pax Romana, the, the Rome in a time of peace, the peace of Rome. In 30 BC, 30 years before Jesus was even around, Octavian uh, won the civil war against Mark Anthony and his Egyptian girlfriend and their soldiers and uh, had, had beat them in the last war. The last war they had. Octavian, uh, you know, Mark Anthony and Cleopatra uh, committed suicide. 
Octavian declared victory and was made the emperor of Rome in a time of peace and was changed his name to Caesar Augustus, the great emperor of Rome. And ever since then, Rome had not been at war. It had been a time of peace. But you know how they keep that peace? is through violence. <laughs> they kept that peace by having large armies who, anytime anyone like John started stirring things up, they would send a, a legion of soldiers in and wipe the place out. Or they would arrest John and cut his head off or something like that. To make sure that the, there were two things that Rome wanted. They wanted to make sure everyone paid their taxes so that Caesar could live in the lifestyle he had become accustomed. And they wanted to make sure nobody caused any problems, any disturbances. And they did that through violence. They maintained the peace through military might. And that's the peace of Rome. And if you were an occupied territory like Palestine, if you were one of the people who had been conquered by Rome, it was not so peaceful. And Luke, in fact, the reason Luke lists out all of these hard names, which is why I read the text today instead of giving it to someone else, and then I screwed up all the names on the text. <laughs> but the reason they have all of these names, these folks are not just uh, random names. These are folks who are pulled out of history and Luke pulls these names out to kind of point to the fact that Jesus is born in a context. And that context is Roman occupation. And that context is a corrupt uh, system. There's a corrupt system in Jerusalem, in the temple. Uh, and it's a time of division. The, they, uh, Luke brings up two high priests. He mentions... Caiaphas, who is the current high priest, who followed Annas, who was the high priest before him, also happened to be Caiaphas's father-in-law. A little nepotiz going on there. But suffice it to say, the reason these two names are significant for the community that Luke is writing to is because there were several people who didn't like the fact that Caiaphas had been put in by uh, Pontius Pilate. They, Pilate had taken Annas out of the high priest role and stuck in Caiaphas in his stead. And there were a lot of people who didn't think that was legitimate and refused to acknowledge Caiaphas as high priest and remained loyal to Annas. In this day, it would be the same as saying, uh, under the administration of Donald Trump, who came after Barack Obama. And that would... I wouldn't have to say anything else. That would just represent the divide in our country, wouldn't it? We would know exactly what I was saying about that. That there are some people who like Barack Obama, and there are some people who like Donald Trump, right? And it would represent this huge divide in our country. While in the same way, bringing up Annas and Caiaphas in the same sentence points to the partisanship that was going on in Jerusalem. And, the, and bringing up Pilate brought up the, a lot of the violence that was going on under Rome. And bringing up some of these other leaders points to the mayhem and the anything but peace that is going on in the peace of Rome. And so Luke draws our attention to that. And in the middle of that comes John. 
John who is declaring that the kingdom of God is near and who is called to make straight the path to make a way for us to experience God's peace in a way that Rome can never make happen. And part of that, the beginnings of that, is to preach a a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Now, you know, good liberal church like us, we don't talk about repentance very often, but (laughs) it's an important component here because it represents for, uh, for the people of God a turning away of of all of the negative, ugly, nasty things that we do and the nasty, ugly things that have been done to us. Turning away from those and towards God. And what's, uh, what's unique about that is that it, what John is saying is you're in control of that. It's up to you. You can repent and return to God all on your own. Now for us, that doesn't sound so strange, but for people in John's day, They weren't allowed to just do things on their own. They weren't allowed to just turn and return to God all on their own. They had to go through a whole lot of hubbub. They had to go through the priests. They had to go through all of the the rituals and things that happened. And there was someone in charge of that. People like Annas and Caiaphas who ran the temple and who, who controlled who received God's forgiveness and who didn't. John was saying, to heck with that. You can go to God on your own. Just repent. And you can be forgiven and forgive and uh, you can be reconciled. And that's the beginning of the peace that God promises us. That's the beginning of the peace that comes not on the heels of violence, not under the control of military might, but a peace that comes through justice and righteousness and reconciliation to God and reconciliation to one another. That's the peace of God that John is making a path for and the birth of Jesus Christ represents. John is calling God's people into a new kind of relationship and calling out all the ways in which the world he lives in does not match up to the kingdom of God that Jesus is going to come and proclaim. John is saying the path to this is to turn back toward God and allow God to be the one who brings your peace. To allow that that sense of connectedness to God to be the foundation on which you build peace. And more importantly, or just as significantly, the peace is found in this, this reconciliation, this repent and forgiveness formula. This formula where if I've done something wrong, I need to admit to it, say I'm sorry, and if we're going to have a relationship, you need to forgive me. And when we can do that, there is peace and reconciliation. Furthermore, if something's been done to me, and it, you know, and I, I have to bring it up. I have to confront it and acknowledge it, and give someone else an opportunity to repent and say, "Oh, I'm, you know, I didn't. I'm sorry." It's such a gift when someone comes to, because I, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, 
but I sometimes I say things and I'm trying to be funny or something like that and actually I come off I hurt people's feelings sometimes I don't mean to I mean you know that's not an excuse but sometimes my mouth runs a little faster than my brain and you know there's oftentimes I don't realize that I've hurt someone's feelings or I've offended them or I've said something hurtful and didn't mean to it's such a gift when people come to me and go you know that thing you said to me the other day I know you thought that was funny but it wasn't and it hurt my feelings because what a gift that is because then I can say oh my gosh I'm so sorry you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna be more aware of that kind of behavior I'm gonna be more aware of that and more sensitive about those kinds of things so thank you for telling me about that and I'm so sorry that I hurt your feelings and then we and we move on. We continue as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? And that's the formula that John is talking about. And it goes beyond just the niceties of people who happen to be together. But it goes into the deeper questions of how do we reconcile ourselves to the hurt and broken world out there? How do we reconcile ourselves to the... the you know, how do we deal with a system that keeps some people out and some people in? And especially if we're in, how do we, how do we reconcile that? How do we repent of that? I'm speaking as someone who has experienced a life of privilege. And I look and I see that there are those who don't have the same kinds of privileges I do by virtue of nothing other than maybe the color of their skin or their gender or something like that. What is my part in that? And how can I bridge that gap? And how can we be reconciled to one another so that there is nothing between us except the peace of God and the love of Christ? Amen? So it goes beyond just the niceties of our good relationships we have among us. It goes out into that world and draws us into a deeper, more meaningful, more significant, transformative, transcendent relationship with God and with the other people in the world around us. John is on to something in all of this disruption and this mayhem and this hubbub. John is on to something and calling our attention to something and saying, if you look toward, you know, if you get started here, Jesus is going to help you go the rest of the way. As we prepare for Christmas, as we anticipate the joy of Jesus' coming and the realization that what Jesus brings is this kingdom of God drawing near and a peace that passes understanding, we can prepare our hearts through this embracing this idea of repentance and forgiveness, forgiveness and repentance. We will be well on our way. The path for Jesus to enter our hearts will be used. Let us pray. Our loving and gracious God, as we, uh, as we hear this, these challenging words of John, as we recognize John is one of those in-your-face kind of people, uh, we pray that his message of uh, receiving peace through reconciliation and redemption in, in the, uh, the process of forgiveness and repentance, that we will be making a path, we will be making a way for Jesus to transform the world 
the world in our small little bubble and the world writ large. We thank you for that. And may we indeed take the time and the energy and the effort to prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus again. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.